right, well, Happy New Year, church. Man, you made it. New Year's Day service. I'm just so impressed. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians 1 this morning, uh, and we're calling this a New Year's prayer because this is Paul praying over his new church in Colossae here, uh, and he's got a prayer for them. That's what we're going to share with you all uh, this morning, and uh, before we get there, though, uh, Liv, it was funny, that like around Christmas this year, she was like, where's the snow? Uh, like, when's it going to snow? And we're like, oh, baby, it like almost never snows. Um, but this was this February, right? This year, right? Like, well, I say this year, 2022, right? Like, it was crazy, right? It froze out. Every, this is us at uh, Founders Park here. We're basically ice skating in the field because it was just, I mean, it was an icy winter wonderland. It was nuts, right? Stuff was closed down. It was bananas, right? And then this was the February before that. Right? This is our backyard in downtown Dripping Springs. Right? Y'all remember the snowpocalypse? It was bananas. Right? This was me driving up to, this, was, this is the drive up to the church. Right? That 2021 February. I mean, snow was like, like in banks. It was crazy. Right? And this was her just a few years before that. Looks like Maverick, doesn't it? That's, that's our little live. For her, it snows every year. She was born into a different kind of Texas, right? Uh, but still, right, because, I mean, when, I think when it snowed for us growing up, we were like, Wah! I mean, we were, we were nuts. Like, we just would go out like this, you know? But with her, it's like, we know. We're equipping her differently, you know? She's got on, we're like, hold on, baby. It's like gloves. And she's like, what's gloves? And we're like, I know, it's weird. Uh, and, and so there's gloves, and there's like, yeah, a hat, and, and all this stuff, and she's just, you know, going out like Ralphie, you know, and, and, it's, and that's how, but we want to prepare her to engage the world that she's now in, right? And that's what a good dad does, right? We want her to be prepared for this kind of Texas that she's going up in, and so as she's going out, we don't want to say, hey, no, you can't go out there. No, it's too dangerous. It's too cold. No, you're going to get sick. We want her to go partake. We want her to to have the joy of going out there, but we want her to be equipped to do so. And that's what our Colossians passage is about here this morning. It's Paul saying, we have a good dad up there, and he wants to equip us for the work of engaging the world. And this is, and, and he'll preface this first. We're going to be in verse 9, but in verse 4, we'll kind of summarize for us where we're coming from to get to where we're at here. He'll say this in, in verse 4, writing to the church in Colossae, We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. He's saying, we have heard that you believe in Jesus. He's saying, you have heard the gospel proclaimed, church, and now you have started to believe. There is evidence of your faith in Jesus. He says, because you're loving other people. There is a fruit starting to sprout within you namely love and so there is an evidence that you are saved right it's how i knew i had strep this week right amen anyone else with me on that one uh did you have flu uh covid uh rsv uh whatever was going around the big i don't know everyone had something all right uh this last, i had how did i know well you started getting swollen my throat started getting sore and I was out of town, because that's when I get sick, you know? 
oh, right, we're in a different city. I have to go to some other weird doctor. And they're like, yeah, this, and you get antibiotics. Now, you'll be better tomorrow. False. Uh, you know, it took like four days for this to like take effect in me. Also, if you've hugged me today, just at your own risk. It's what it is, what it is. But uh, I'm fine now. Uh, but how no, because there was symptoms. There was, there was an outward happening of an internal thing. And Paul is saying to the church in Colossae, I'm seeing the evidence of an, of an internal change in your heart now through this external fruit that I'm seeing in your life. And so he says, now I'm going to continue to pray for this thing, right? That He says, their hearts have been changed, but now I'm going to pray for you. Now that, now that the seed has been planted, now it's not just enough. Now I want you to go engage the world. And here's my prayer for you as to how you do that. And I have four things. There's kind of four evidences of, of the fruit of the Christian engaging the world. And so why preach this today? Well, on a day like New Year's, this is a great opportunity for us to take a little inventory, to do a little diagnostic test of, of where are we at, really, spiritually. And I'll confess, this is, right, ha had we preached the first part of this, Colossians 1, like 1 through 8, that would have been a what we call a justification sermon right, of, of you're, you're being made right through Christ, you're, you're trusting in the work of Jesus, right, to, to accomplish not your own work, but you are saved, not by, not by doing good, right, this isn't, this isn't how you get saved, you get saved, and Paul says it, why, because you learned about the grace of Jesus, not your merit, not your thing, but God had mercy on you, and by his grace, he saved you, that's the justification, and then he's going to go into a sanctification sermon here, of now we live day to day with these things, fleshing out the evidences of someone who walks with and knows the Lord. And that's how, we, that's how we see. We can't ever judge a heart spiritually. But what we can do is say, that's an apple tree because there's not pears growing on it. Then we can look at the fruit, we can look at the person, we look at the fruit around them, and we can say, that is a life marked by the Spirit of the Lord. And so this sermon isn't about... Um, being saved, it's about what we do once, once we are, once we are. And so this isn't something we earn, right? This is something that we respond in. Uh, and so uh, let, me get to our, let me get to our list here. Uh, but, uh, but before I do uh, these four things, let me read our passage for today. It's in Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14. And he starts with saying, for these reasons. What reasons? For these reasons. You, I've heard that you have trusted Jesus. You've heard these words. Right? And so you are safe, and for this reason now, he moves into kind of part two here, verses 9 through 14. Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of, this, of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience in giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we come in to, to engage with this, Lord, if we said nothing else, we just know that the reading of your word is enough. That there is power to be, to be had in just the, just the reading of your holy text. And so, God, 
now in this time, what do we do with what this text says? We want to grow in the knowledge, God. And so that's my prayer here, that you would honor, that you would honor this time that we've kind of set aside to worship you. That you would now move in us to take an honest diagnostic here this morning. Not to earn your favor, God. But to take our faith seriously, perhaps. To not grow stale in what it means to know and follow you. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right. Well, verse 9, the way he starts, is not one of our, uh, you know, four points. Uh, but it is a helpful place for us to start. Uh, because he, it's, uh, well, let, we'll just, like, reread it real quick. He says, right, for this reason, uh, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So here's, here's one thing. This is not one of our four things, but... Uh, but he wants them filled with knowledge, with wisdom, with understanding. And where does he point them to do that? The Spirit. So knowledge and understanding does not find its origin within the heart of man. It is found in he who created the heart of man. To so saying, I want wisdom for you, I want knowledge for you, I want understanding for you. But if you want that, you're going to need to search outside yourself, outside your feelings, outside your heart, outside your current knowledge. You're going to have to go look in the person of Jesus. That is where real understanding is found. And the Spirit gives that. And that's His prayer over us, right? It's like Liv, right? She asked me the other day. She got like nine Barbies for Christmas, right? And she's like... Dad, she, she, she took, like, all the clothes off one. She brought she says, can you put all these clothes back on? And I'm like, no. Not because I don't want to, but because I don't have the tools, baby. Uh, like, I don't know how this little deal goes on there and what arm goes on what and whatever. And I don't get these shoes on. I cannot put these shoes on this Barbie. I don't even know. I was like, go, go ask mama, all right? And she comes back. And she's like, can you put this hair tie on? I'm like, baby, no. Uh, I don't have that, like, a hair tie. I can't put a hair tie on you, sweetheart. Uh, let alone this Barbie that's got this little hair thing going on. Like, you got to go, go ask your mama, all right? Why? Because she is sourced with all the knowledge and all the wisdom, right? That's, that's where you got to go, right? So she knows I'm an empty source when it comes to the Barbie, right? And so the question for you, like, where are you searching for the answers? Where are you trying to source your knowledge from? And I pray it's in he who gives it, the Lord. We do not look to gain understanding within ourselves. We look into him. And so he's going to pray over them that they would receive this wisdom and this prayer he prays over them. And here's the four things. We'll start with the one. Again, it's like a diagnostic test. This is going to be very practical this morning. I and mean, you're probably not used to me being like Joe practical. It's just practical. It was practical for me. I really enjoyed prepping for this because uh, I was like, I need to do these things. Um, and so first thing here is fruitful work. What is, like, what is the mark of a spiritual life? That's what these four things are, right? If you had to say, okay, like, what are some marks of a spiritual life? How would someone look at you and say, they walk with the Lord, right? Without getting to judge that internal heart, if they're just judging, what's, what is a, what is one spiritual factor that we're looking in a person? Fruitful work. They do good work, right? And he says it, right, in, in the verse there. 
so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in everywhere, bearing fruit in every good work. We do good things. We do things that, that we know will please God. Right? If, if Liv wants to please me, she, she, kno- she, she knows it's not like kicking the dog or slapping her brother. Right? If she did this, Dad, I'm just trying to make you happy. What would that mean about me? It would mean that I'm an abusive father. But we know who God is, and so to do things that please him, we do things in his character. We do good works. And how do we do these things? Well, we do them with the imagery that really Paul's giving us, right? This planting, this fruitful language, right? There is no guarantee that if you drop seeds in the dirt, that a tree will grow up and flourish and bear fruit. There's no guarantee. But if you never drop a seed in the dirt, there is an absolute guarantee that no fruit and no tree will flourish. And so we do the work of planting the seeds, of doing the works. And we actively do this. Because in, right, in this agricultural setting, we understand this is, this is the exchange, this is the partnership with God. Right? We do this planting, but then we don't grow it. Then we have to step back, and then God does the growing. And God does the work of real change in the hearts of man. But we come along and we, we plant, we, we partner with him in that, and then he grows these things, right? This is, this is how Paul likened his ministry. He's, he says, I planted, but then Apollos came and watered, and God came and reaps. It's God's glory. It's his reward. Question, is your life at all marked by a doing of good? Have you done anything this last week that Jesus would look at and say, man, like, that was, that was a work that honored me? And again, we don't do this, and, and uh, not, like, this is just a diagnostic, just be honest with yourself, right? Like, did you pray for your coworkers? Right, it's the holidays. Did you engage with maybe conversation with that one family member that you've been trying to avoid for the last decade? Did you maybe try to seek reconciliation with that person that you know you need to? Have you, have you maybe tried to encourage that friend that you know is going through this thing, but it just keeps on escaping you to do so? Maybe it's time to follow through, to do a good work. Have you signed up to volunteer to serve here, perhaps, as an opportunity here at the church? Are you doing good work? And you can't determine the spiritual significance. That's not our job. That's God's job. But that does not remove us from the role of dropping seeds in the dirt. And why do we do that? I was teaching a pastor's conference in Uganda years ago. And, uh, and I was interviewing one of the pastors there that, uh, that plants churches like all through Uganda. He's an impressive man. Pastor Nelson is his name. Um, and uh, um, I was trying to remember the Ugandan name for pastor. It's ridiculous. It's like such a cool uh, word. But uh, never mind. Uh, anyway, and so I was interviewing him. I, says, I was like, why do you do this? Pastor Nelson, and I'm like, why do you plant churches? And in his African accent, uh, real thick, I'll never forget this. He said, a good father plants a tree knowing he will never sit under its shade. And I was like, and interview is done. Um, that is powerful. Why? Because a good father knows that planting this is not for me. It's not about me. This good work is a partnership 
that God one day will bless the next generation because they may see this. They will benefit from the work I do now. A good father plants a tree knowing he won't sit under its shade, but maybe his kids will and his kids' kids. And this is, this is the exchange, the partnership that we have with God, right? That we work with him, and God will accomplish that. God will bring people to that fruit, and perhaps they will look at us and see there's a fruit about them. There's something that they do, and it's not just about them. And so when our life is marked by fruitful work. And so do the diagnostics. What's that look like? And, and hear me, this isn't something we do, to, right? You don't, you don't do these things to become God's child. You do these things because you are God's child. Right? Like Liv, Howerlin, not my Liv. And she's like, every time you talk about Liv, you talk about another Liv, right? Like, and, and Mark, your dad here, right? When you're helping him or do stuff, you don't do that because you're like, maybe tomorrow I'll be his daughter. You know? Right? You do them because you are his daughter. And that's a partnership. There's nothing you would ever do in this partnership as, as father and daughter that would ever break the bond that that is dad and daughter. And so the rest of your life is just marked by a reaction to that in the relationship that is there, right? And the same is true for all of you. It's not something we do to become. It's something we do because we are. So that's the first thing, fruitful work. Second thing, pursuit of knowledge. Pursuit of knowledge, right? Because he'll say this, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, right? It's kind of like a sister passage that we see how Psalms start, Psalm 1, 1. Well, it's only Psalm 1 and 2 and 3. But uh, he says this, blessed is he whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. You see, Paul is hoping that we are pursuing the good works, but also pursuing knowledge. And what kind of knowledge? The knowledge of God. Right? You want to be a tree planted? You want to bear that fruit? Then meditate on his word. Pursue him. When are you done learning about God? Mary Pat, how long have you been teaching the Bible? 30, 40 years, right? Jim, how old are you? I won't ask you, Mary Pat. Yeah? 67? Okay. You're years younger than that, Mary Pat, right? But like, Jim, Jim right? Aren't you done now? I mean, you've, you've, you've arrived, right? Like, you've gotten there. No, why? Because you don't graduate from the gospel. You do not outgrow Christ. You grow in Christ. And the heart that is marked by the Lord Jesus is a heart that continues to pursue him. That's why I say sermon prep is the most selfish thing I do. It, it is nominative for me to sit at my desk late at night in, in the preparatory work of, of teaching this where I just weep by myself, just over, often over the joy of what he's done in my life and who he is, as I continue to just learn about him and explore him and navigate him in all of his beauty and glory, right? Paul, near the end of his life in 2 Timothy, he's writing to 2 Timothy, he's in jail, right? He's old, he's about to die, and he's writing to Timothy, and he's like, Timothy, bring my cloak and bring the scrolls, especially the parchments, even in his old age, he's about to die. He's like, but still, bring me the word of God. I still want to open them up and read the heart of my Savior. 
and explored him. I mean, this is a guy who we basically have our theology, like, written out from. And he, even he, as he's about to die, saying, I still want to open them up and explore this relationship and grow in my depth of knowledge of him. Are you planted in the word? Would you say your life is marked by this? I mean, what makes an expert? Think about that. Is it someone who has figured it all out? No, an, an expert is someone who has agreed that they haven't, and so they continue to try. This is someone, this is something I deeply respect about my own father. He's a veterinarian, right, here in Austin. Has been for, gosh, since 86. And, and even now, like, he's going to retire in like a year or two. But he still will travel and go and attend continuing education all the time. He is constantly learning. He is constantly soaking up. I mean, and he will, like, he'll just, he'll just nerd out over this stuff. He loves medicine. He's super passionate about medicine. It's what makes our practice so great. Like, he just, he loves it. And, and, and if you've ever gone to visit him, you'll know, right? Because, like, he'll just, he'll, I mean, he'll geek out over, like, you know, just the essentials of feline dermatology. And I'm like, there's only one solution for felines, euthanasia. That's it. Like, that's the only thing you need to know how to treat a, you know, cat. I'm kidding. Um, I'm allergic. That's my problem. Anyway, um, right? And so, but, but he'll start, like, you start talking to him, and, and he will, as he starts talking about medicine, he will start to close his eyes and just, and just get lost in the, in the nuances of it and all the things that, that he knows and the little, like, in all of his experience with it. He'll like, go to another place with it. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And all of our friends, we joke about it. He just, he kind of goes off and is like, you know. When's the last time you just found yourself getting lost in the wonder and the knowledge of what you know of the Lord Jesus? Are you, and are you, are you planted in that? And again, this is not a, this isn't a shame on you. You're not, this is a diagnostic. Can we look a little different, perhaps, in 23? Might our lives be marked by a different kind of spiritual litmus test here, right? And once that seed has been planted, and as we're seeing, right, there's, there's another work that, right, you're getting soil around that. You're watering it. You're maybe trimming it up. You're pruning it. It's a process. We continue to grow in Christ. How can you tell the people of God they are people that grow in the knowledge of God? And we're here to help you as a church. You're like, help me. I, I want to do that. How do I start with that? I mean, there's, there's so many ways you can do that here. I think our biggest and most important way to do that is you get plugged in with a life group. Right? That we come together. There's life groups that meet right after church. There's some that meet right before. There's some that meet in homes through the week. But we gather together and we study God's word together. Right? We commit to that together, right? Weekly to to open up the word and to process that together. Also, there's studies. We have. We were, the women's study, if, if you're new and, and, and you're a lady and you're like, man, you want to get plugged in with other women here at the church, gather around the word. We do that on Wednesdays here in the morning's meeting. I think it starts January 9th. Anyway, you can, it's in the guide. You can sign up there. Right? We have Right Now Media. It's something that we've bought for y'all. That's, it's just an endless Bible study of all the who's who. These are the guys I listen to that have been wildly impactful for my own spirituality. You can download an app and you can just listen to endless Bible studies of these guys like Matt Chandler. And all, like these who's, they're awesome, awesome studies out there, right? 
uh, you can do that, right? Awanas for your kiddos, that they would grow in the knowledge of God. Liv knows like more Bible verses than I feel like I know now. She's just like singing songs about the word of God. I'm like, well, that is amazing, right? Through Awanas. We're here to be a resource for you. Also something, I feel like you version. if you have version on your phone, which is the way we do this, they have like you can read the Bible in a year. There's, there's apps oriented like within that app to just guide you through just a reading of the word. Every year they have year reading plans. There's tons of them. And like this catered, there's like a men's year reading plan, 18's Bible reading plan. You name it, it's there for you, right? Maybe give it a shot. Here's one thing I want to try this year, and, and, and I would invite you to try this with me. I feel like this is something I want to flesh out more because uh, it was something that kind of birthed out of this is I want to start writing the Bible. Not like heretically, right? Like here's the new Bible. Uh, but like, tr- like writing it out. And, and I'm going to start in Acts. And I'm going to start today. Um, and not like the whole, maybe a chapter a day, maybe less than that. I don't know. But here's what, and so like I have a notebook and I'm just going to start writing out verse by verse and keep going. And Lord willing, and I don't know how long it'll take, probably more than a decade for me to write out the whole Bible, not in one book, but maybe a series of books. But here's what I want to do. I want to slow down. And I want these things, I want to like rest in them a bit. And that's what I think writing it down will do for me. But I want to be this tree planted and I want these words to be imparted into my own heart. And so what is that going to look like for you? Or have you gotten so spiritually calloused that you feel like none of this is necessary? What's right for you? I don't know. All right. Third thing. Empowered endurance. Empowered endurance. So we'll continue on to verse 11. Right after... Pursue knowledge, right? Uh, bear fruit, pursue knowledge, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, right? Endurance and patience. Y'all all have patience, so we don't need that, right? Um, y'all did not laugh another that one. Y'all are a bunch of heathens up in here, uh, right? So endure, endure. Uh, our, our Greek for this is funny. Hupo mone. Uh, hupo meaning to abide and mone under, right? That we abide, sorry, that's... Reverse, anyway, uh, but abide under. That it's, he's saying uh, that this is something that under great weight you are able to withstand it, right? That is to, uh, to endure. And patience, patience is macrothumea. Macro, right, a long time, over a long, not micro, but macro, over a long span, uh, thumea, heat. So that you are able to, right, endure, withstand under, that you're able to withstand under, right, uh, uh, macrothumea, heat over a long time, that you can take the heat for a long time. You can withstand with under, and you can, you can take the heat for a long time. He's saying this is one of the most frequent, if you read your Bibles, this is one of the most frequented uh, fruits, I would say, of when I'm reading the scriptures, of what I see in our heroes of the Bible. There was very little replacement for the holy work of just being able to stick it out and endure and trust that the Lord is going to work it out. I mean, that's really what we see. I mean, it is such a holy act to know that you're not in control, 
I mean, so holy that, that we know that that's like a really hard and almost unrealistic thing for us to even put into practice because our lives are ripped with us trying to exert control. But, but why is this so holy? Because when we can acknowledge that, man, I'm not going to be able to figure this out. I'm not going to know that. I'm not going to, whatever. And that we can endure. We can say, all of this, I don't understand it. This is happening. But we can look and, and we can say, but the Lord is working this out. That's a holy act. That's a holy act. Right? And we see this here in Nero's persecution of watching Christians. Right? Nero, he was like, all, like you know, first sex, he's just an awful persecutor of, of Christians uh, and uh, in the early Roman Empire. And so, or I should say late Roman Empire. And, uh, right, he would, I mean, he was vicious. Uh, there was fires going on in Rome, and so he blamed the Christians. Uh, and so he kind of turned Rome against the Christians. They weren't really that militant against them, but Nero just had this thing for it. He would... Nero would host parties, and for the torches of the parties, he would just light Christians on fire. He would dress them in animal skins and let other predators come and hunt them down as if they were wild animals. This was Nero. And it wasn't totally unique to the Christians, right? People were dying all the time back then. It was a vicious, horrific time. People were being tortured. But... What was different about the Christians was as they, they were being killed and tortured, they weren't screaming out, cursing the Roman Empire. They weren't cursing the gods and, and doing all that. What they were doing instead was praying for their enemies and praying to their Lord. And the Roman world began to take great interest in Jesus because the Romans were seeing these Christians have a different kind. That's what we call it empowered endurance, a different kind of endurance, right? You don't get lit on fire and pray for your enemies because you're just doing a good job and, and, you, and you're, you read a self-help book. You're lit on fire praising God and praying for your enemies because something has inhabited your soul. And that's the mark of a Christian. That we have an empowered endurance. And Rome took note and they saw this happening and they were turning to this culture. They were saying, I want a piece of that. Why would you want a piece of a man burning on a pole? Because you know it's got to be real. That there was something different. There was something tangible about these people and their faith in God. We see it in Jesus too. Right? The guards spit at Jesus. And so Jesus spat back. Nope. Right? That would have been a different story. No, he prays for them. Lord, forgive them. They're not, they don't know what they're doing. We see Jesus suffering well. And then when he finally dies, what does the centurion say? Surely, this was the son of God. People saw the power evident in the people because of their endurance. And they followed this man Jesus because of it. What does this look like for us? Man, a lot of different things, I suppose. Sarah and I uh, and Kyle, we, we went to go do a, a funeral uh, at South Austin. I don't know if y'all, y'all might have heard about the, 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 oh, so tragic, the eight-year-old boy who died in a car accident uh, in our community. 
um, Sarah Kyle and I went to go play music for it. Nine people had to be like sick or out for me to play piano. That's how so many people were out. But we all went together to do that. And then uh, I watched the mom and dad take the stage mourning their eight-year-old son. And I saw empowered and born. All they did on that stage was draw people to Jesus. They had an honest, mournful um, lament that pointed people to God like, we don't have it all figured out. We don't know why he would do this, but we trust the Lord. But we trust him and we ask you to do the same. They were, I mean, they were just begging for faith out of people watching them suffer through this. That's empowering. And so are you patient? Are you enduring? Or are your setbacks marked with loud victimhood? And loud victimization and public outcries? And which one of these looks supernatural to you? And note, if that's your M.O., that when you're wronged or when something happens, you just, you turn to the public outcry and you play the victim, you realize that you don't stand out. <laughs> like, and, and that's, that's the thrust to do so is people need to hear my voice. Your voice gets lost because that's what everyone does. Congratulations. You're just like everybody else. Have you scrolled social media recently? That's the M.O. That's what everyone does. You're not standing out. You're filing in. We are different. We endure. And we wait on the Lord. And we let him find the right time. And until then, we, we respond with patience and endure. You take the heat for a long time. All right, last one, joyful gratitude. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Who qualifies you? Not you. Right? That's what I, that, I can't stress that enough. You are not being made qualified because you're doing these things. The Lord has qualified you, and so out of that qualification, we do these things. And joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So do good work, grow in knowledge, endure well, and be thankful. Be thankful. Have gratitude. Paul in Romans, when he's trying to tell the Romans, like, what happened to the world and how it's all gone sour, where it's all gone south, he hearkens back to Adam. And he says, they neither glorified God nor gave thanks. He's saying the, the, the chaos in the world started with a loss of gratitude for who he is and what he's done. And y'all know this about the human heart. It's a vacuum. And if you don't fill it with gratitude, something will take its place. Often, often it's entitlement. Right? Without that heart, without, without gratitude, what happens instead is you think everything else should be thanking you. So you'll say, I should have that. This should be true. This happens a lot in marriage. Well, if they only, if they knew, don't they understand? Don't they know? Right, it can happen at work. Well, he doesn't see this, if only. And what happens if you're hearing this is that that entitlement turns into resentment. It's like an equation, right? It turns into a resentment. And now you start to say, well, now I resent that person. If they only did this, well, now they're the problem. 
I see almost every marriage counseling I do, like, this is, this is a thing. And it's usually not even about that. I often say there's no such thing as marriage problems. You had problems, you had problems, and your problems got married. Right? And that resentment will then turn into attack. And so you'll start to attack, you'll start to attack, right? Because it's like, well, now, now I got to do something, I got to lash out. And it's all birthed from a lack of gratitude. And so what are we supposed to, we're supposed to peel back and choose thankfulness. And, and I hate this, right? Because I see almost every funeral I do, this is the norm now. When I see like the, the elder of, of, the, of maybe the, the parents and, and finally the patriarch, matriarch has passed away. And, and it's almost the norm now where I see families just at each other over whatever mom and dad had. And of families who would say, this would have never been our story. Because they don't choose thankfulness. They don't choose gratitude. Instead, they choose entitlement. And then that entitlement becomes this resentment. This resentment turns into attack. And how do we get locked up in that cycle? Because we didn't choose gratitude. And so how do we prevent that? Again, peel back. Choose gratitude. Also, look what Paul does. Paul points us to Jesus. In the end here, this is where we close. Right? Because when, because Jesus, who stood to inherit in God, right? God chose Jesus to inherit everything. He inherited everything from the Father. And then what Paul says is, what, what Jesus says, he took everything that the Father had, all that joy, all that freedom, all that creativity, all that love, all that peace, and he says, here's, here's the crazy thing that Christ says, and then he actively goes out in search of co-heirs. He doesn't look to, to keep it all to himself. Instead, he goes out and he finds you. And he says, I want to give you a share of this. And it never ends. He says, this is why we can choose gratitude. Because we have a different kind of inheritance that comes from the Father. And he is not greedy. But he is gracious and imparts to us all these things. He says, I know, they're lost in their sin. I will take on sin. Well, they're in the darkness. I will descend into the darkness so that they might know light. And this is where the marks of all of our spirituality birth out of. We have someone who descended into the darkness for us. That though we didn't deserve a lick of inheritance... He offers it all to us. And you have a full inheritance in him, not by doing any of these four things, but by simply looking at him and agreeing that you are in need of it. Might that fuel our 2023? To look a little different? To look to the person of Jesus? To, I mean, I just wonder, like, what, like, what would the church look like if if we were concerned about what was marking our lives spiritually, if we were concerned about producing fruit here in this church and in this community, if we were concerned about pursuing the Lord in knowledge and, and being a tree planted in the knowledge of Him, and then enduring well, and relinquishing the need and the temptation to be victims, and then just having a heart of gratitude. That's Paul's prayer for Colossae. It's my prayer for Banneville. Why don't you stand up as we close?
buy a notebook. Choose a book of the Bible. Write it out. Plant yourself in something. Try something different. Bring your kids along with it. That's something I, I think I want to try with Liv. Is she starting to write out? Let her write a verse out too. Bring it along. But try something. Try something. Again, not to earn something, but, but to respond out of this great and glorious gift that God has given you. Amen? Lord, we love you. We turn to you. We worship you. May we respond now in it as you work in and through us. And so, Lord, as we leave here this morning, we pray that we would leave emboldened, empowered by your spirit. Lord, you have to accomplish these things in your people. And we just have no power in amongst ourselves. We need your Holy Spirit to empower these works within us that we would choose you, choose gratitude, God. We love you, Lord. Amen. Well, John, I'll go today with the Lord's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant to you his everlasting peace. Amen. Amen. Y'all came prepared to give on the first day of the year. You can do that in the bins out there. Drop off a connect card if you're new here. Hey, we love you. We'll see y'all next, next week. Next week. See y'all.